0: Welcome to the geek to geek podcast where we're ready for the best of the rest. I'm here with my co-host Bij. I'm the best, you're the rest. Okay, we'll go with that. Um, Today we're talking about the best of the rest because it's that time of year. Uh, When you guys have heard this, we will have already talked about video games because that's always a full episode, but because we record December wildly out of order, that's not the way we're experiencing it in real time. (laughs) Um, So I hope you liked what we said. We'll find out in the future. For us, though, uh, we always like to do honorable mentions first, both for like our games of the year and the best of the rest of the year. So when we get to our top five, especially for like this episode, it's kind of like whatever, right? We stack everything that's not video games up against everything else that's not video games. But when we do our honorable mentions here to kick things off, we try to kind of like categorize a little bit. So there's some clarity. So I think we're ready to dive in. Um, Let's start with books from both of us. I feel like you have a lot more this year for best of the rest than I do. In general. I don't know. I feel like I have a lot but I don't really have a lot to say about them just
1: like they're really good and I enjoyed them uh, that kind of thing so like for books most of mine this year were comics actually what I've actually read I haven't been reading nearly as much as I wanted to like so I've subscribed to Marvel Unlimited and I've been listening not listening to but uh, reading like the Spider-Geddon stuff that's been leading or the stuff that led into the new uh, Spider-Geddon storyline and it's really really good right now Um, and it's not on unlimited, but I read the stuff that led up to it. Uh, so I read all the amazing Spider Man run that Dan Slott did. So he's off of it now, and it is just so good. He's the one who did all, basically all of the Parker Industries stuff, where Peter was the was the rich mogul and tech the rich tech mogul. Oh and yeah, yep. It's over now; like it's completely uh, done, and he's moved on. And there's different stories going on now. So I've been reading the X Men comics that are on there. The new X Men books, um, X Men Blue and Gold specifically. I'm working through uh, X Men Red right now as well. That they've named them all in colors, but it's really fun because it's like that's the color of their uniform, obviously. But uh, like X Men Blue is the original X Men that came back through time. X Men Gold is Kitty Pride running a team, uh, and then X Men Red is dealing with Jean Grey, and it's just they're really good like they're fantastic comics so that's really been the most of my reading reading um i read the ahsoka book that that you recommended a long time ago maybe years ago
0: yeah it's been Um, a
1: little while it's been, it was one of the best Star Wars books I've read. Like, it would have been a good book outside of it being Star Wars. So, I loved it. Um, we've talked about The Collapsing Empire by John Scalzi that uh, you got me reading that when you told me it existed and uh, when I didn't know he'd even written it. So, I listened to it on audiobook while I was running, and it is magnificent. It's like Dune without being the boring parts of Dune. And uh, because it's full of political intrigue and interstellar, interplanetary politics, but at the same time, like, you care about the characters a lot more and
0: uh yeah the consuming was fire from... is on mine too so like book two in that series that's one of my honorable okay. mentions of the year so like you and I are kind of right there um that yeah, like Scalsey mean... series is just it's a good one like you said it's like a really solid what like political drama like political sci-fi yeah. kind of from Scalzi it's,
1: it it kind of feels like if Battlestar Galactica were a book it's like if Battlestar Galactica and uh Dune had a book or had a had a baby not a book a book baby um a book baby that that's what this would be and i can't wait to get into the to the next one i just it's one that I was going to listen to on audiobook while I ran and then I lost all motivation to run. So it's still sitting there. Uh, but it's it's good. I'm assuming if it's anywhere
0: like the first one. Yeah, it's really um, good. I liked it. I might even like it more because the first one does a lot to like establish the premise. This is much yep. more like in the weeds trying to figure things out after the big twist happens, which I know we've talked about before. But like, you know, after things actually start to happen, um, this is like the fallout and the next steps afterwards. I really liked it. I'm excited to read it. Uh, and speaking of
1: Fallout and stuff, the not not the game, but Oathbringer, the third in the Stormlight Archive, that's probably one of the best uh, the best books I've read in a long time. It's not quite enough to get into my my top five because it's. Uh, the reason I appreciated it so much this year was having done the entire uh, Brandon Sanderson reread that I read everything from the Cosmere leading up to it so it really really impacted me but I'm not sure how I would have felt about the book in a vacuum uh, or just part of that series alone
0: but it was great I felt the same way that's another one that's funny so two of the ones on your uh, honorable mentions for books are mine too so Oathbringer was right there and like I think I feel basically the same way you do like it was really good but it's not in isolation like it's definitely part of a series. And so we've talked about, you know, the Stormlight Archive as a series before, and it's truly epic fantasy. Like you do not get into the series lightly. You need to be ready for like how many words are each of these books? Like a hundred thousand at least? Uh, at least I mean.
1: Oh, a hundred thousand is nothing. A hundred thousand is uh, in terms of words is like uh, is like four hundred pages maybe. Um, oh yeah, no. I these mean these are, these are, are like twelve hundred page words. I mean twelve hundred page books. I mean these are massive, massive books. These are
0: they're they're just ungodly large i mean mine as much as we could recommend the stormlight archive as like a really good recommendation it's something about like being the third book in a series and the series isn't done and it's not kicking off the series either it's hard to like just recommend that one straight up
1: yeah and so it's really good it may be the best in the series so far but like you said like we said it's hard to to recommend just as a top of the year because of where it sits in the series um and then I want to give an honorable mention to one that I just started. Uh, we actually have a, a Patreon uh, where someone took the uh, one of our reward options and wants us to do an episode on the lit RPG genre. So uh, if you listened a few weeks back, you heard me talk about uh, about it during our Q&A episode. And so I'm reading one of them. And just my preliminary thoughts are that I really, really like the book Ascend Online. It's the one that I'm reading uh, for our episode to prep and uh, at least one that I'm i'm reading because i will probably read the other in the series so that's saying a lot that's what i wanted to say about it like it it's also made me consider writing the the gamer punk book that is a better name than lit rpg uh as a genre and uh because i'd like to write it but this book is really good it uh, it actually handles the idea of being inside a video game better than anything like sword art than sword art online or anything like that does
0: yeah that one's really cool i'm um- I have not started my homework for that episode yet, but I have a book waiting there, too, so I'm excited to dig in. Hopefully, over the holidays, while you guys are listening to this, we'll be doing things like that with our time off. Yep. Yep. Yeah, tell me what you've got, because I know some of ours lined up, but I know a lot of that
1: you read this year, you're like basically ahead of me in most of my uh, series by a book or two.
0: Yeah, so Oathbringer, obviously, we just talked about that, and then The Consuming Fire, so that's the second one for The Collapsing Empire, that series. It's really good. Um, Other books this year for me were Forever War which was it's interesting that was so like good. sci-fi war but kind of through the lens of not even through the lens of but inspired by like Vietnam which is fascinating mm-hmm. cuz you know I don't really like to read about like fictional war in a real setting nonfiction is a different thing right I'm getting more into history this year which is interesting but like putting it in sci-fi and putting it in space in a different time and place um, even if it is kind of an allegory for something in the real world that I can do and I find fascinating so forever war really stuck with me and then I found out that there's more books in that series that you and I talked about like we didn't even know that yeah had no idea like
1: forever war is one that gets recommended all the time as one of these modern sci-fi classics that's been out within the last like 40 years
0: and I've never 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 heard that there was any sequels to it yeah so i have those sequels on my to read list i'll get to them at some point um other things for books this year smoke and iron which is the latest one in the great library of alexandria series i still really like that series this is another one where it's like i could not put this on my top five because it's not the last book in a series and it's not kicking off the series it's still really good it's just that, like, it's mid-series, right? So I would yep. recommend going back to thinking Ink and Bone <laughs> is the first one in that series. So, um, again, that's another one where it's like, I love the series, but I would recommend going back to Ink and Bone to get started. And then the thing, uh, the the last piece of fiction for the year was uh, the Adventure Zone graphic novel. Like, I've never been huge right. into graphic novels. I usually just pick up Marvel Unlimited whenever I need that kind of fix. but i loved the adventure zone so much so i had to get the graphic novel and i really liked it it was really fun i i just don't like graphic novels and comics to like that level where i would put it in my top five Mm. for the year but it was still really good if you do like graphic novels and comics like the adventure zone is great especially if you've listened to the podcast i don't know what you would get out of it if you haven't listened to the podcast um i would not recommend it in that case but if you've listened to the adventure zone go get that book because it's great um and then the weird thing for me was that like i have nonfiction on here for the first time in i feel like a long time um i don't really read nonfiction, and that's a statement that i could make before this year i don't That's not really true. Like, I kind of came around to it this year. I think I've been out of school for long enough that... (laughs) Yeah, it really is. You're right. Like, I'm getting close to a decade out of school. Not quite there yet, but I'll be there soon. And it's like... Actually, maybe I am. I don't know. I'm not going to do the math. Somewhere around there anyway. And nonfiction is finally... I'm far enough away from having to study things right where I can just like, Oh, this topic looks interesting. Let me get a nonfiction book about it. And that's, that's something new for me. So I wanted to give like that a shout out from the year. Um, The two that I liked a lot that like, jumped out to me were, uh Hamilton, the revolution. So after we saw the stage show of Hamilton, I went and I read that book about the making of the stage show, but then also about yep. the history in tandem. It was so good. It was a really, really good book. And that was one of the few books that I've read like physically in years, you know, like a physical copy of the book. Yep. And that was definitely the way to read it too. And I've seen that one in the bookstore where they have made it a,
1: a, I don't even want to say it's a collection. Like it is a, but it's a it's definitely a book that you don't want to have the ebook for, or you're going to miss part of the experience because it is very
0: well designed and put together very deliberately. Yeah, it's great. I love that, especially right after seeing the stage show. Like that was that was a really good pairing. And then the other one wasn't that long ago. Um, I talked about Breathing Machine, a memoir of computers, and I just liked it because. I like that subject and I know we've talked about it in the past, but that like thought of different generations and what each generation has experienced and how it influences them going forward. So Breathing Machine, A Memoir of Computers, it was a really short, it's like a novella or it's a couple hours if you pick up the audiobook, but it's like two hours or three hours. It's not like a full length one that you would normally pick up, but it just, it sparked a really good conversation between you and me and then me and a bunch of other people like that are not being recorded when they talk to me, I I liked it. Like that whole subject is just utterly fascinating to me. And I want to keep digging into it over time. Like what makes my particular generation different from the ones around me. And it also kind of bleeds over into, I feel like I want to know a little bit more about Gen X that came like right before us. And then I, there's not really enough, like, data and real world examples of it yet but give it like five or ten more years and then we'll get a lot more data about the generation like right behind the millennials like they're coming into it all right um we just need a little bit more time so that kind of generational study is just so fascinating to me and anytime that you can look into our generation that oregon trail generation like i talked about in that episode i still love that name so much it's it it works. Um, it does. Yeah, and I that's still an article that I can recommend. If you just Google the Oregon Trail generation, I'm sure it will pop up. Um, yeah, so Breathing Machine, a memoir of computers, was just it was fantastic. I loved that. It really got me thinking, and I'm still thinking about it, even though. It was a month ago, two months ago. It's been a little while. Yeah,
1: and it actually surprises me because of that, because of how it's made you think a lot more than a lot of the stuff that you read or interact with that it didn't make it into your top because it sparked so much discussion. It it, it has really stuck with you and made you want to go look up more that this one feels like it would have been a a top five, but I'm not sure what you've got on there that would have knocked something like this out.
0: This was I actually debated this was going to be my number five for a while and then I moved it out and then I moved it back in. So um, if I'm keeping the list down below, which I think I'm committed at this point, this would definitely be my number six if we were going all the way down to six.
1: Okay. Okay so that's fair
0: I yeah I can see that just just off the list um so that's it for books in the honorable mentions anyway they'll show back up once we get to our top five each Um, but then for movies and tv you have way more than I do so why don't you kick us off
1: okay so for movies this year was it was really weird for me like when I was going through everything and watching and look well looking back at the stuff that I've watched I was like what have I watched this year that was really worthwhile what was actually good and like we were talking earlier in the year, how the first one I want to talk about was Crazy Rich Asians because it made me realize that when Jennifer and I were in the theater, that we don't watch a lot of movies that aren't blockbusters. That we don't go to the theater and see a lot of movies that aren't basically. I think Capsule J is the one who said it that aren't owned by Disney because we have Star Wars, Marvel, and then Disney and Pixar movies. So there are so many things that rarely do we step outside of that because that's pretty much all the properties that we love. And so Crazy Rich Asians was not only a really good movie, but it also made me really think about, like, my movie-going habits and how I consume and watch that stuff. So uh, it's been interesting to try to just think about that as I look at what I'm I'm going to see. Um, but that said, like, there's a lot of comic book movies. There always are. And um, I... I had this year was a really good year for comic book movies and superhero movies in general because I've been burned out on them. I've been really hitting that superhero fatigue, and this year there were enough different kinds of superhero movies that I feel energized to watch more of the the traditional ones again, like Avengers Endgame. Uh, I look forward to it a lot more than I did because Black Panther came out this year which I think is just fantastic. Um, if 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 y'all haven't listened to the episode we did going back where we talked a bit about Black Panther, we never did a full episode on it because we are not qualified to really speak to what it's doing. But we've talked a little bit about it earlier this year,
0: right around the same time, that uh, it's fantastic. It is. Uh, yeah, I mean, that one's that one's on my honorable mention list, too. So I'll jump in here a little bit. I I love that It's not a typical superhero, like, structure or story. And the other thing is, like, I'm just so ready for perspectives that are not straight white male. Like... that's that's me right like from my perspective i've been getting that fan service my entire life i've grown up alongside it i'm sick of it at this point like i want other perspectives please give me stories from people that are not just like me like i'm so bored of it so like you said we're not nearly qualified enough to talk about black panther and what it means for society in general and how our media is getting like more progressive in a great way even though all that's true but just being able to see a story that's not from that typical perspective and have it still resonate with a large audience was amazing it's fantastic like I think you and I just want more of that in general
1: yeah and I feel like it is that kind of privilege for us to say, I'm tired of seeing this representation oh, of for me. Sure. Without but a question. Yep. And, and it is. I mean, and I recognize that, but it, it is something that I'm glad to see representation of other groups that, that are getting the service they deserve to have on there with Black Black Panther. And the only thing I'm going to say on it that I learned, I went to an academic panel on Black Panther and it was talking about uh, the names of, of the characters and how they're used. And the uh, it was talking about about the afrocentrism uh, that was going on and bringing in all of the uh, african cultures in there and there was this academic this professor talking about how uh eric uh, uh killmonger was going by the name and people called him that but never used his real name and it made me realize and think that the way that uh that it had taken his name. That was a very, that's a very important thing when you're looking back in uh, U.S. history about taking uh, people's names through slavery. And it was like when they started calling him that, it just, I was like, I am not qualified to know all this. This is important. And it made me realize how important that movie was for being a superhero movie. And so it, it was just really interesting. But outside of that one, uh, Deadpool 2 came out this year, and I did not want to go see it. I loved the first one, but I, wanted, I didn't want to get out of the house. I was super depressed. It was a bad time. Um, and I don't remember if my mom was sick or had just passed away, but I was still in that depression of not wanting to leave the house. Jennifer made me leave the house. And It was wonderful. It was so much fun to see a funny movie like that that uh, took the superhero stuff I was really tired of and did something new with it. So I absolutely loved Deadpool 2. It may not be anywhere near as good of a movie as I'm thinking it is right now in hindsight because I was in the perfect place for it and it really helped get me out of a really depressive place. And then that same thing happened with Teen Titans Go to the Movies. I swear, Teen Titans Go to the Movies is the best superhero movie I've seen all year year it's magnificent wow that's that's a big it's, statement it is really good and i say that in the it's the most fun to watch of any of them like it is obviously not as important as black panther don't get me wrong it is not it, it is not socially important but teen titans go to the movies was the funniest most interesting superhero movie and most engaging one that i've seen and i i actually hurt myself laughing so hard uh going to see that movie like it was great it's not for everybody if you didn't like the tv show you won't like it because it is that kind of manic bright all over the place movie but holy cow it's good like i liked it better than any other superhero movie i saw this year like, great movie. The last one second of the movie is worth every bit of it to me. The literal last one second is worth watching the entire rest of the movie for. So yeah, how's that for, uh, for something for y'all to go watch? And so The Incredibles 2 came out this year. I talked a lot about it. Jennifer and I talked a lot about it. And I don't want to really rehash a whole lot other than Teen Titans Go to the Movies did a very similar kind of topic to it, uh, dealing with uh, the overuse of technology, and Teen Titans Go to the Movies did it better. So, as wonderful as The Incredibles is, the Teen Titans movie did a better take on that same topic. And then, I wanted to mention at the very end that Fantastic Beasts uh, movie, I'm giving... Fantastic Beast series a shout out because I just now saw Fantastic Beasts and where to find them and went to the movies to see Fantastic Beasts Crimes of Grindelwald um, in the theater last weekend. I They were not nearly as bad as I thought they were going to be. Eddie Redmayne's dumb face wasn't nearly as dumb as I expected it to be. It was fine. It was good. So I want that was that's the first one. That's why it's an honorable mention is because it's not garbage like I thought it was going to be. The second is I think I liked the second movie way better than everybody else that it Despite Johnny Depp, I loved the second movie. I adored the second Fantastic Beast movie and Grindelwald. I will say to this day, like like I need to watch it again. But I think that everything surrounding Grindelwald, including well, despite being Johnny Depp, I think he's scarier as a villain than Voldemort. I know some people are going to want to fight me on that one. Some people are really going to want to fight me, and. All I have to say about about that movie is I need more Jude Law as Dumbledore. He was magnificent. I loved watching him as Dumbledore. I want him to have his own movie. Like, Dumbledore, totally, you know, abusive. You know, we know all about Dumbledore and the terrible things he did to Harry Potter and manipulated him. But, man, Jude Law does for Dumbledore what I feel like you and McGregor did for Obi-Wan Kenobi like Jude Law is magnificent as Dumbledore like he just grabs it to me
0: That's cool. That's really cool. Um I so I just I kind of put like all of my TV movies watching stuff YouTube all together because right. I didn't have nearly as much as you. So I'll jump in here with like my movies. Like we talked about uh, Black Panther already. Avengers Infinity War falls in here for me. Um it was, right. you know, a super ambitious crossover, but it just i don't know it doesn't make my top 5 it's it still feels so much like half of a story to me and as much as it was an amazing cultural experience and i loved like seeing it right when it came out coming like right when it came out and then um talking about it and experiencing it afterwards and kind of being part of the conversation um i just i don't love the movie like it's okay it's really yeah, it's fine it's good it's, yeah it's impressive for what it does but yes it doesn't grab me like it's not a movie i want to rewatch over and over i watched it a second time and the second time i was kind of like oh yeah yeah okay it's still what i thought but less interesting because i already know what's going to happen i I felt the exact opposite of it i know i thought in the theater that it was kind of meh it was like it was
1: good it was fine i watched it a second time and i liked it so much better because i knew what
0: was going on
1: that i was like i could appreciate what they were doing without those expectations of something better
0: yeah and i reserve the right to change my mind once the second half of the story comes out because that's gonna frame up this movie in such a different way absolutely but for now i just can't put it on my end of the year list like it doesn't make the cut for me um Another fun movie that was just like fun and dumb, and it I would never hold it up as like this is amazing, but like Jumanji, welcome to the jungle. I, so good man it's so much fun to watch I had fun I had fun watching that movie which is rare um, the other thing that I wanted to like the one YouTube thing in here is uh, no clip documentaries they just continue to be fantastic like I watch everyone that comes out they're always good Danny O'Dwyer does a fantastic job um, and as he's building that out you know that team and that capability and like they're funded by Patreon but they just put out everything for free it's so cool so I love no clip um, I'll keep bringing them up anytime there's a really good one that i think more people should know about but just know that like in the background i'm watching everyone that comes out um and then the one tv show that's on this list for me which i think it's on yours too is the dragon prince right oh so good this is
1: my number six like of everything that we were going through and talking earlier uh i've been going back and forth on whether this should be number five and decided against it but this is my number six so you you tell me because you got me into this like you can say everything i need to say about
0: it I I just really like it. It's such a well thought out world. And I feel like this show, it was entertaining. It hooked me. It kept me interested all the way through, which is like that is rare enough. But on top of it, I felt like there was such a good world that they built around it and we barely scratched the surface. We saw a little bit of the human part and then they interacted a little bit with the elves. But like it's a whole fantasy world that you can tell they've put a ton of thought into and they can build on for years across probably multiple media properties if I know how these things go. Um, And for now, I'm not cynical about that fact. I'm just excited that they could do so much more here. My only regret is that there was only one season. Like, I want to know what happens next. I'm ready for the next one. So I'm glad that it got renewed. I'm glad that we're going to get it. Um, I just yep. wish there was more, which is a great feeling to end a show with, you know, instead of being like, okay, I got through it. It was like, okay, what's next? You know, that was what I came out of it with. So that was a huge highlight for me. This would probably be right up there. Like, you know, if we're, if we're kind of guessing at where it would place maybe number seven of the year like it's it's way up there the other thing for me on this one is that uh this was a show my daughter and i watched together and it wasn't yeah a kiddie show that i suffered through and it wasn't an adult show that she didn't understand it it struck a perfect middle ground and i've never had a show like that with my kids before i'm sure i will in the future but this is the first one that i got to experience and like, you can't take that away from me, right? Like, that was just so cool. And she's excited to watch the second season with me. Um, we watched it over the ser- a series of a few weekend mornings. So, like... I am pumped to do that with her in the future. And that makes me so happy because having gone and watched it
1: alone, I can see that. I can see how a kid would get into it and just absolutely love it and how as an adult there was a lot going on there where they made enough jokes and the story was was engaging enough to, to really keep our attention that the animation is beautiful the people who made this knew exactly what they were doing in building this world. I'm very excited for what they're gonna do in the future with season two for this specifically
0: yeah it's so good Uh, like I'm just excited for more from that team and that world and all of it I'm ready Um, yeah but that's kind of it for me for like shows movies TV I didn't do a whole lot of that this year and the ones that I did a lot of it was like okay I'm glad I saw that once like it didn't stick with me you know which happens a lot you just know how I am with those mediums or that that medium in general
1: (laughs) yeah You had other stuff for TV, right? Yeah, there's always more TV for me because I love good TV. And so around Halloween this year, Jennifer and I found The Curious Creations of Christine McConnell, and it was a Muppets TV show. Like, I say Muppets because that's how I just refer to the Jim Henson Company. Like, it was it was live-action puppets, uh, kind of like Farscape puppets, uh, except it is a crafts and cooking show. Like, she is a magnificent artist, and it's super creepy and weird, and I don't generally like adult animation these days, and I don't really like... uh. uh I don't like kid shows that are aimed at adults just to be vulgar. And this one walked that line of being puppets, being cute, and then just making all sorts of just weird jokes. It's it was it was really really fun. And the stuff that the lady made was was just gorgeous. Like I don't understand how a human can be that crafty and and good at it. So I really loved that one. Um, like we said, the Dragon Prince was the next on my list, and and it's great. Then there was Altered Carbon that came out earlier this year where it it stuck with me for a long time after it came out and it kind of faded off. And then every single time I see the thumbnail on on Netflix, I want to watch it again. I'm like, oh, I want to watch Altered Carbon again because that's the way I feel about the book. I always, I'm in a perpetual state of wanting to listen to the... uh, Altered Carbon audiobook at any given time, and I feel that way about the the TV show as well. So I really look forward to the second series that they're doing, um, which you know we did uh we talked a lot about this on the cast earlier this uh earlier this year so y'all can go back and listen to it but uh the nature of the show means that the protagonist is going to change every season and uh or multiple times during a season potentially so it's going to be interesting to see because i love the guy they had to play takashi in this one that it'll be great to see what they do in the next season if they get someone even better um but i loved Alter carbon so good if you like cyber. Punk, you definitely need to watch it
0: yeah for sure I like that one too it was I liked it enough that I will definitely check out the next season I don't think I'm as pumped as you which is why it's not on my list but I can I can see why you liked it as much as you did
1: and the reason I liked it mainly as the series is because I'm so into the books I love Richard K Morgan's books they are excellent so I was I've been looking forward to an adaptation to see some of this stuff uh for a long time and then you know they just redid the She-Ra TV show The New Shira is great. It is beautiful, it is funny and it is it is just a fantastic TV show. Uh it is one of the best Netflix originals that they have. It is very good and even if you're not a fan of the original uh, Shira, go watch this one. Um my my 8-year-old nephew loved this one, and he was a little bit, you know, he's eight, he's at that age where, you know, you're watching uh, She-Ra, and it's like, well, I'm watching it because my mom wants to watch it, and so I knew that he really liked it, and so I started talking it up, like, and, and telling him exactly how I felt about it, like, how I love these characters, how I, I all the stuff that I love, and uh, what how great, I think, that uh, Swift Wind and some of the other stuff are, and after that, he started coming back up to me, asking me about the original She-Ra show that we had been watching, that he started again after this one like knowing that uh, that his uncle and that a grown man liked this that it was okay for him too so i think that that this one really it is toward all kids and all people like i've seen a lot of people say that she was just for girls and this one does not target girls alone like the one in the 80s does um because i learned that it specifically was targeting girls from the documentary series on netflix the toys that made us oh yeah Uh, i can't remember Did you watch this one? I watched some of it. I didn't watch all of it, but I watched a few episodes and I liked what I saw. The He-Man episode, I think, is my favorite one of them. Uh, The He-Man episode uh, where they they talk about She-Ra in that one made me realize that toy creators in the 80s are dirty old men. That that they drop so much language in that that it is kind of crazy and hilarious. Uh, but just in general, the show was great. Uh, there's a Sanrio one about Hello Kitty. Uh, there's a Barbie one, and all of these like they just go into what got these t- these toys onto the shelves. Where. Uh, G.I. Joe and Transformers and Star Wars and all this stuff like so good um, and then finally uh, Adam Ruins Everything. I found this when the collection went on Netflix a little while ago. Uh, watched all of it that I could and then went and bought the next season on Amazon uh, Instant so that I could watch it because I fell in love with it. I'd only ever seen internet clips of three or four minutes a piece and having a whole half hour show on single topics made me so so happy because yes, I understand I've, I've, ta- I've said this before and I've talked with people on the internet about it that yes, his research and, and the arguments that he presents are simplistic and, and fundamental and basic without a whole lot of nuance but you take those and then can move forward. You can you can look into these topics and learn more about them which is, you know, like you said with the Oregon Trail generation that it made you think and, and want to talk about it. That's the way this show does. Every single episode makes me think and then look something else uh, look something else up about that topic by the end of the show. Like I'm on my phone during the show because I want to know more about it right then and I'm so interested in the topic. That's awesome. Very good show. That's so cool. One of our listeners, actually, I think it was Matt on Slack, uh, told me there's a podcast for that too that I haven't checked out. But if you guys uh, like that show and didn't know it existed like I didn't know, there's an Adam Ruins Everything podcast as well. Yeah, that's
0: that's awesome. Okay, so before we dive into our top five, um, don't forget, there's other stuff on the network. There's Geekitude with Joe Hogan and Ray Vargas, Tea Time, with katie and chelsea we love them they're amazing um just want to give a quick shout out i don't know what's on those this week because they might be on hiatus and we're definitely recording way ahead of time so who knows but uh check out whatever the last thing in the feed is it's always worth your attention and then um instead of telling you you know how you can support us you guys probably know that by now but we save our review asks for like once or twice a year around the holidays. So i'm gonna say reviews make a huge difference you know just go in give a star rating give a thumbs up give whatever on whatever platform you're listening to this on um i see the usage statistics most of you are listening to this on itunes so that's a fantastic place to leave us a review if you can sometimes you have to pretend like you've never heard of the show before and search for it and then you can leave a review i don't know why they do that but they do yeah it's really weird to leave a review on itunes yeah um but we save it up so that when we ask for it, you know that we really mean it. It's not just something that we read every single week. So like that is how you can help new people find the show. Like honestly, if you want to help the podcast, the number one thing you can do outside of Patreon is to leave a review and a star rating. Yeah, it just, it makes such a huge difference. So that's our ask for the week. What else? Do you have anything else to say about reviews? Please? But really, they help more
1: than people know, Uh, whether it's a book, a podcast, anything at all. If you like it, reviews really do keep, content relevant and keep keep people finding it
0: so please 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 that would be fantastic okay um let's get on to our top five that's enough begging so (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna go first because i want to end on your number one i think that's a good note to end on so i'm gonna go first with my number five and we'll make it work um my number five this year is a piece of hardware it is my new iphone so i have the iphone 10s and i did not realize how much a of a difference it would make in my day-to-day life and it's weird to have like a piece of hardware so high on my list like this that's not a video game console I mean I know I've talked about like last year Switch would have been my top if it was you know hardware instead of just software for our video game episode but the fact that like I interact with the world through my phone so much and it's such a critical piece of my day-to-day like workflow and life um just seeing how much a faster, more responsive phone has improved my life is ridiculous. It should not have that much sway in how I feel day to day. But it did like it it made a huge impact. So I'm just I'm so happy with it. I'm so ridiculously happy with this overpriced thing. But it's because so much of the world is experienced through it these days. Um, You know, I prefer it to like desktop computing a lot of the time because like I get work done on a desktop or on a laptop, but when I want to interact with the world, when I want to see what's going on, when I want to catch up with news or social media or like anything, I want to do that on my phone and I have a bigger screen and it's more responsive and it's like... It's just these little things, right? It's not even a new piece of functionality. It's just that it's like it's been iterating better for years, and I waited such a long time to get a new phone that this made a huge impact on me.
1: Yeah, it's so good. I got one, too. We did a new phones episode a few months back, and it's so good. Like I have turned on my Note that I still have. I'm trying to sell it and used it side by side with the iPhone, and there is no comparison on how much faster the iPhone XS is compared to the Note 8. And the Note 8 is still fast and great, so I'm right there with you. This is hands down one of the best decisions i made this year to buy yeah it was so good i'm so happy with it uh what do you got for number five okay my number five actually this year was really hard to narrow down but i finally decided that instead of instead of the uh dragon prince i went with the netflix mcu seasons that were released this year except for luke cage (laughs) (laughs)
0: that's a funny Uh, exception
1: yeah, because, well, we we started watching Luke Cage Season 2 and couldn't get through it. We just didn't care. It just wasn't very good. But Iron Fist Season 2 is one of the best, I think it is my favorite, the best Netflix MCU season of any of them. Like, I love it. Um, and then daredevil season three was magnificent it uh, you know the show got canceled now but you can watch daredevil season one two and three and it ends as a complete arc with those characters that if they knew that that it was that cancellation was coming they did a very good job of wrapping the relationships and all the threads up so it's great And then Jessica Jones season two, I watched this year and it was, it was wonderful. It was, it was just, just great. I like character driven stuff though. So, and this one was so character driven. It wasn't as intense as season one, but it's also because I love uh, Jessica and Trish and, and, and Malcolm. And I love watching them interact that because this was a character driven season and there wasn't necessarily a, a, gigantic supervillain epic threat. It was wonderful. I loved it. So Netflix really did a good job this year on all of their seasons that just, you know, and the shows that got canceled, except for Luke Cage. Luke Cage, you dropped the ball, and I just don't know. I don't know if I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll eventually finish it. And I mean, watching... Iron Fist season two made me go back and rewatch Iron Fist season one and knowing what happened in season two made season one not quite so garbage awful like I enjoyed it because I knew how good season two was but man Luke Cage season two so hard to get through and part of it's what they did yeah
0: I'm glad Mm. that you liked it even though I bounced off most of it or I scanned through it without like watching I'm glad that like you latched onto it and you still liked it as much as you did that like that makes me feel better about it as a series or as like a a collective, like the Netflix MCU. Yeah. The only thing that I haven't seen
1: at this point is I've not watched, and the defenders, I actually watched the defenders as well. So I loved it too. Um, The only thing that I haven't finished is The Punisher Season 1, and it's not because it's not good. It's because it's very serious and thoughtful, and I haven't been in the mood for that so much. And then Luke Cage Season 2 because it's uh, kind of a hot-steaming mess.
0: Okay, that's fair enough. Um, my number four is actually from the MCU also. So this is where that uh that rule that we talk about up front that this is really about like what we experienced this year, not necessarily what came out this year, even though it's mostly things that released during this year. Um, but that comes into effect here for me. So number four for me is Thor Ragnarok. Um, for me, I experienced this for the first time. I watched it for the first time after our end of the year episodes from last year. So that was something that like it kind of fell in that weird middle ground between like we had recorded our episodes, but it wasn't quite January. But in terms of the podcast, I experienced this one in the last year. And the thing with it is I've rewatched this a bunch since then. Um, like it's come up on the podcast a few different times because I rewatch it and like I see new things yep. and I like it. And it, it's so rare for me to want to rewatch a movie. More than once, you know, sometimes I'll be like, okay, I don't think I caught everything. I'll watch one more time. Um, That's rare enough for me to watch something. I'm probably on like, I don't know, six, seven, eight watches. Like, I think this is already the MCU movie that I've seen the most times out of any. And I think it's the best. I love it. Like, it's so good. And like, I ignored it for the most part when it was in theaters. I saw it in like the last week or two that it was in theaters before it was gone forever. Oh, um, okay. Like over the holiday break last year. And I... I for, I almost forgot it for this list because it was like, oh, kind of found it last year, but it was kind of this year. It was one of those like super geekery things where we talked about when we came back for you yep. know season three to start up. Um, but I just loved it. Like Thor Ragnarok is such a good MCU movie and it's funny, but it has enough serious to it. There's a good story there. Like it's engaging, but it's also it's, it's fun and enjoyable on rewatches. It's it's just yeah. so rare, and I, I can't even put it into words. You can hear me struggling here because I don't normally rewatch movies that much, and this one I've rewatched over and over, and I would gladly go rewatch it again right now. So it has to make the list for me. It just has to.
1: And it's one of those one of those movies where we will get into a specific, I want to watch Thor Ragnarok mood, where that's the kind of movie that we want to watch, and it just does everything so well that it's, it's very hard to describe, like you said, what it does that's so... What specifically that makes it so good, but just the entire package, it is a magnificent piece of storytelling and y'all should watch it if you haven't if you've avoided it because of the other two thor movies this is guardians of the galaxy 3 just just go watch it and and you're fine <laughs> well said uh what's your number four uh my number four is a documentary from youtube uh just like one of yours uh with the no clips uh except mine is called where dreams go to die there's a youtube channel called the ginger runner and he did a documentary over uh trying to do the barkley marathons in east tennessee which is the hardest uh road like hardest trail race in the world like people don't finish it uh most years and uh you and i've talked about it a lot but it was put out earlier this year as a uh he didn't do it as a as a crowdfunding thing he made the documentary and he uh he put it for sale i think it was like nine dollars to buy or like thirteen dollars to buy uh the the one that when the commentary came out later and so i bought it with the commentary and still haven't uh, gone and listened to it and i really need to uh but it's free on youtube now like it was just sold at the beginning when he was just putting it out initially and I bought it and it was so good that it made me feel for the people who put themselves through such physical torment. It makes you see the Barkley Marathons in a completely different way uh, that you don't see in the movie called the Barkley Marathons or any of the other documentaries about it, or uh, really in the articles that you can read where dreams go to die Uh, is really appropriately titled because these people are Mm beating themselves to achieve the dream of, of winning it, really, and or completing it. There's not even a winning it, um, and they fail. Like, it's uh, you will probably fail at this, and uh, keep going back. Like, I think it's been three years in a row he's gone and not finished it. So, very good movie. Very, very emotional, and incredibly well put together. I love the cinematography in it. He knows how to, to show off the beauty of East Tennessee, uh, because the mountains up there are beautiful like the way the landscape works everything up there is great and beautiful and they really show it off to the best effect in this like i cannot recommend it enough it's free on youtube now you can just google or go on youtube and find where dreams go to die and watch the entire uh, hour and a half to two hour documentary it's so good
0: that's awesome yeah um my number three is a book so i'm getting into books here uh blood sweat and pixels by jason schreier which he's a reporter from Kotaku which I think I mentioned when we talked about this book Um, but this was like one of the two the other one here is coming up as my number two that like kind of got me back into that nonfiction mode of reading and then I got into you know like throughout the course of the year I got into like some historical books and you could kind of like documentaries and war history and then that led to all sorts of other like oh what else is going on for nonfiction and stuff like you know the memoir of computers that we talked about earlier Uh, but this This is one of the two books that really kicked it off and blood sweat and pixels is all about behind the scenes of making video games and it follows i think it's 10 different games that are like really big well-known games for the most part i think there's a couple smaller ones in there too but games that you would know and that you've probably played if you're you know a gamer That have come out in the last handful of years and Jason just has like such good behind the scenes reporting that you feel like you understand what went into the development or what the challenges were or like things that they ran into and It's not that I didn't appreciate it before, because I've done software development, I know how much goes into that, but this is just kind of like, video games are like a whole nother level on top of general software development, and this was the best behind the scenes look that I've ever gotten at that process, so for helping get me back in nonfiction and then also for giving me a new perspective on video games, which I love and is like my primary hobby. Um, blood, sweat and pixels makes the cut for me for number three. I had totally forgotten about that.
1: You mention it and you talking about it here. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I remember you talking a lot about that. That sounded super great. And then I never thought about it again. So
0: thank you. Yeah, it's really good. You should read it at some point. You'd like it. Uh, what's your number yeah.
1: three? Uh, my number three is actually The Good Place. Um, I think you bounced off of this one, didn't you? Or have
0: you not tried it? I tried. I got through a part of an episode, and it was okay. It, It
1: is, well, okay.
0: So it's it done by the same. I shouldn't say that it was just okay. I should say it wasn't for me. That's what I saw. Like, I, yeah, I should probably give it another chance because you love it so much, and I've heard good things from other people. But... My first reaction was just like, oh, this isn't my kind of show.
1: It's it's so good. I don't know if it's your kind of show or not. Um, did you, I can't remember, honestly, did you like Parks and Rec? Yeah, no, I loved Parks and Rec. Okay, you really need to give this a shot. You really, really do, because it's made by the same guy who did Parks and Rec. And it is, uh, there there are some Parks and Rec kind of uh Easter eggs in there, but never a crossover or anything. Uh, he said that. But it's about people who have died and gone to the good place. And there's a lot of twists. There's a lot of, of philosophy in this, actually. And it has become the smartest, most... One of the most enjoyable shows. Like, there are two shows that I keep up with every week now. And it's my three and my number two. Um, and the good place is one of those. Like, it is... I can't even... It's. It reminds me of Lost in 22-minute episodes um, as a comedy. Uh, it's got Kristen Bell and Ted Danson in it, and I just adore the entire cast that everything about the show is so well put together that it's very thought out and it's obvious from the the direction of the show and how the story is unfolding that they know where the show is going unlike lost uh they they're they're working towards something and even this past week's episode was like oh did not see that coming where there were there are actual twists at the end of each episode that make you want to keep watching and it's smart Like I've learned things from watching this and it's a silly sitcom on NBC.
0: Wow. That's interesting that like your number three and your number two also went together. Why don't you just jump into your number two then if they tie so close together? Okay. So my number two is Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and
1: it is the, I think it's my favorite TV show at this point. It, my, my wife found it and I had avoided it on Netflix, just seeing it. I'm like, eh, it looks fine. And I, it does so many things so well. Um, It's about a a woman who is is sad in her job, hates her life, sees her ex-boyfriend in New York, uh, thinks that if she gets back with him, everything will be better, uh, and moves to California where he lives. Um, Very cliche, very, you know normal and that's the point. Um Rachel Rachel Bloom and the the other creator whose name is 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 leaving my my brain right now have put this together to kind of break a lot of romantic comedy tropes and a lot of mental health issues actually. As you go through the entire show, you realize that the crazy ex-girlfriend thing that's while it's played for comedy in season one, by the time you get to season four and we're in the final season now and they knew it and they're wrapping it up and actually telling the story. Um, by the time you get to where we are now, um, you learn that they're actually handling the crazy ex-girlfriend part, the crazy part in the best way I've actually seen mental health portrayed on television ever. Um, The way that it handles uh, themes like suicide, the way that it handles uh, the idea of getting a personality disorder diagnosis, the way that it handles the people in your life reacting when you're Going through therapy and uh, like doing all sorts of crazy things, like breaking in and burning down someone's house. It, it's just like crazy things that's like, but it handles the relationship so well. And it's a musical, which uh, makes, which just has me keeping going everywhere and the show sounds like it's everywhere like that it, that it's just firing on all cylinders in opposite directions and that's what makes it work that the the, the original music every week it, are always satire or parody of a an existing genre or type of song um like uh the jailhouse tango or uh, like One of them this season was going through the entire Beach Boys career uh, in one song to be able to deal with this one issue. And it's not all the songs are winners, but the ones that are my wife and I laugh so hard and then start listening to on Spotify that these are really, really good songs. And they're really, really just the show itself. I care about these characters more than probably any other TV show that I can remember. And I it may be because, you know, I go to a counselor, I, I deal with uh, Bipolar as well, uh, Bipolar 2, and Bipolar 2 as well, but it, it just handles it so well. It handles Everything so well, and it's funny, it never loses the ability to make you laugh. This show has made me cry, but at the same time, those same episodes it points out this kind of absurdity that I can't but bo- like hanging a lantern on it is what the writing excuses podcast calls it. Uh, it calls attention to how ridiculous it is that this show could make you cry and then moves forward with the comedy. It's just so well put together that if anything that i've said sounds like
0: it would appeal to you you're doing yourself a disservice not to watch it yeah that one in particular sounded like like it was kind of the right place right time that it caught you and then you like latched on to it so i'm i'm glad i'm not surprised to see it that high on your list but i'm like i'm glad you found that this year and it resonated so much for you and it worked out the way that it did basically yeah
1: i mean my wife found my wife is the one who found it actually she started it while i was in spain and she ended up uh, being like, I want you to watch this with me. And I was like, okay. Same thing happened to The Good Place. She's the reason I find good TV. So, <laughs> cool. so thanks, Jennifer. Thanks, My Jennifer. number one to
0: Jennifer. Um, <laughs> there you go. My number two this year. So it's the other half of what I was talking about, like getting me back into nonfiction. Um, blood, Sweat, and Pixels, my number three was piece of it. The other piece was The Big Picture, colon the fight for the future of movies. Um, It's a book by Ben Fritz and it's one of the most interesting books that I've read in years. And I don't know how much of it is that it's a super interesting book, which is, I think that, but also it's that my background is in video production and media analysis. And like, that's what I went to school for. You know, I work in marketing. Like I think about media all, not all day, every day, but close to it. Right. Like as close as you can get with a profession. (laughs) Um, And I just I have so much background in this to see a behind the scenes and that's what this is it's it's really um, an in-depth dive behind the scenes of a movie studio while they're struggling to adapt to what Hollywood has become and what the modern movie industry has become and is becoming it's still in the process of becoming um, it all came out because of the leak of the Sony emails and Those basically gave Ben Fritz an opportunity to go back and see all of these like behind-the-scenes emails over the course of years at Sony Pictures. And that's what the movie, or that's what the book is about. It's just a deep dive into that. It's so fascinating. It's so fascinating. So if you ever wonder like why blockbusters seem like it's the only thing that's coming out anymore and we don't get the same kind of movies that we got five or ten years ago and why things are shifting to streaming and netflix and what those platforms are doing to the industry as a whole and why are you suddenly seeing so much that looks like it's geared for china instead of geared for the u.s all of these things are answered in the book but it's like i don't have time to go into all of them here because it's so well talked about in this book I just love it like it it resonated with me because of the industry and the subject matter and I really want to go back and reread this one soon because I got so much out of it. I'm sure if I went through again, I would get even more out of it again.
1: Yeah, this one has actually made me what I was saying earlier, the movies that Jennifer and I've gone and seen this year and really thought about it because of this movie or because of this book, we realized I realized because of what you were talking about being geared toward China and the upcoming middle class and all of the things like that that were impacting how much money the studios were making. I learned because you learned from this book. So I need to go and read all of this just to have a full grasp on that that idea because it affects all of us because
0: we're media consumers. Exactly. Well, and even things like what the MCU did to destabilize everything else out there and why everyone is trying to come up with a cinematic universe now because of all of the reasons you can tie things into it's it's just such an interesting subject that i'm passionate about so again because the title is long and confusing i'll repeat it here at the end the big picture colon the fight for the future of movies and it's by ben fritz so you can always google ben fritz and i'm sure it'll probably pop up um i wanted your number one to be last so i'm gonna go ahead with my number one Uh, my number one this year is something i can't do justice to so it's kind of ending on a uh, note yeah. I just can't with my words it was it was Hamilton it was the live stage show of Hamilton it was amazing it was just it was incredible but it's one of those things that unless you are there in the theater experiencing it there's no way I can do it justice just with words on a podcast um, as much as you and I loved the musical part of it like you know the actual music oh yeah and the soundtrack the other year th- seeing it in person had just a huge impact on me like i i need to see it again multiple times in my life like i'm gonna catch it again at some point or two or five i know i will because it's just so good um i still think that hamilton the show you know the musical the whole stage production is honestly a masterpiece like yes i i'm gonna watch lin-manuel miranda's career forever now because of this and it's one of those things that you never know like He might never recreate or come up with another masterpiece because sometimes you just hit something and it's like, wow, how are you ever going to surpass that? And I hope he does. But I don't want to like diminish what he did here. I really think that this is the best musical that's ever existed. And it's truly like a mastercraft. It's It's a work of years and it shows that. So seeing it, experiencing it, being there in the theater to experience it live was just It was my number one thing for the year for sure without a doubt
1: I'm going to see it next year Jennifer and I are going to buy tickets when it comes to I think Memphis is where we're going to see it Um, if not that we're going to go see it in Chicago next year we've already made plans and I cannot wait because I've seen a recording of it and I know you waited entirely uh, and didn't go that route to uh, to watch it so I've seen the choreography I've seen how it works and I've seen other recordings that they have done as performances but there is nothing that will prepare me for seeing it in person the same thing happened with wicked like i love musicals i love theater my my background's in theater and so i see them i listen to the soundtracks i learn them and then you see it in person it's like so much better and so much so much different than you think it could possibly be and hamilton is obviously going to be that way but i'm right on on point with you that i think this is the best musical that's ever been written that i think that i'm still every day jennifer and i are singing hamilton Every day we're making some sort of Hamilton reference because it's permeated that much of just our consciousness, just of that much of it's hit on so many both good songs and just the things that are in the production and um it's uh it's made it where i have a hard time going back and listening to some musicals that are not up to the best standards that it's okay you when you're used to stuff that that's pretty good you can go back and listen to average stuff or below average be like "Eh, it did what it did uh when you listen to something that is truly a masterpiece for so long as much as i have hamilton like you have it's really hard to go back and listen to things that just don't live up to the quality that you know it could like it's like the specifically like the mean girls musical i'm sure it's fine but listening at the macy's thanksgiving day parade the the music was terrible it's like who wrote this it's like why no no i love mean girls i think the show's gonna be great but it's like in in comparison it's like nah
0: no yeah it's just it's so good and like i said i i'm gonna stop trying to do it justice with just my words because i can't uh, except to say that it's a masterpiece of theater and if you ever get a chance you should see it yeah that's my recommendation um for real what's your number one Tell us about it. So my number one this year is travel.
1: Uh, This year, I did a whole lot of traveling and doing things that I haven't ever done before. So I kind of lumped it all. Like, what was I what did I geek out the most about this year? And it was going to Barcelona and spending a week in Spain for my company uh, with my company uh, with our company retreat. And then uh, I traveled in April and did the Run Disney Star Wars half marathon weekend where I did the 5K, the 10K and the half marathon over the weekend. And both of these were just absolutely magnificent experiences that going to Spain, going to Barcelona was both eye-opening and 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 just, I don't even know, I don't have words for it because it was my first time out of the country. And traveling alone internationally for the very first time, it was... It was crazy. I had to learn what to do. I had to see all of it. And so it's going to make when Jennifer and I go out of the country for our 10 year anniversary this coming year much easier. But it made me realize how undeniably American I am, that it made me realize just how much more there is out there. And it's like, and I talk to people. All over the world, every day. That that my team is remote. uh, My my coworkers live elsewhere. um, And like my one coworker lives in England. One coworker uh, goes between um, um, Kosovo and Belgium. And it's but but it's different whenever when it's not talking to somebody. It's just seeing this and being immersed in a place that doesn't have your language on the signs that doesn't speak your language. That that it really made me realize how. I want to travel so much more and be a part of it and Barcelona was great to travel to uh, to begin with because A, honestly because they hate tourists because tourism is ruining a lot of Barcelona as a as a place to live that they have exploded with millions of tourists and it's driving residential properties up uh, in terms of prices and uh, it's just you know, crowding everything making traffic worse just everything and so there's uh, honestly a lot of there's not a movement so much but there is a a definite sentiment of wanting people to stop just coming to their city and just being there uh because they they can't live there and like specifically with Airbnb. It was just it was great though. Like I was there for work and so when people when I told people I was there for work or I said uh said something in Catalan uh, which is the primary language in Barcelona. It's not Spanish because they're in Catalonia and I didn't know that before I got there and was sitting in the airport reading an article. Um it's trying just a little bit made so much of a difference by just not being just another American or just another uh, foreign visitor coming in and taking it all for granted. So like just even small things like that made me open, made me realize uh, just how much there is out there and how much more I want to see of it, and how much time and money I want to dedicate to doing it. And then with the Run Disney Star Wars uh, half marathon thing, it was like i had been wanting to do a Run Disney race for so long. And so I finally... Just I signed up last year. I didn't know that it was un- non-refundable, and uh, so it meant that uh, I had to do it, and uh, it I trained for it. I did it. I did the, uh, the 5K, the 10K, and the half marathon in uh, sequence and on a Friday, Saturday, and a Sunday. Uh, slept very little, did the parks during the day, had to get up at 2 a.m. for every race to be there on time, um, and it was... Absolutely delightful that I loved it and I look back and everything that happened this year I realized that and this is gonna sound like a real downer but it's not this is how how much esteem I put this in the last time this year that I can remember like being happy and just like filled with joy was then was when I was doing that half marathon and being there and just being a part of that because it combined basically the two things I love the most like Star Wars and running and it was just everywhere it was just the whole experience of being around uh, you know 17,000 other runners doing this and and seeing them seeing how happy they were just seeing all the Star Wars stuff having Boba Fett step away from me when I tried to give him a hug and he goes no and like have a picture of that just everything all together made that worth every penny and every every penny i spent and every drop of sweat that that uh that i dripped was was worth it because it was just it was the exact experience that i wanted and so i'm hoping that when star wars land opens up again like what is it uh edge of the galaxy galaxy's edge or something like yeah, that something like that uh, it's soon too yeah, soon. It's this year. It, come, it It. And I'll be going probably next year because Jennifer told me that we can't go to Disney again this year uh, because I've tried. Believe me, I've tried for the race and for uh, the, the Star Wars land opening. Um, but next year, I'm sure we'll go with, with my friend Austin and he wants to go with us and uh, wants to go with me. I know. And uh, I want to go with him. And it's going to be great. But it was just everything that it could be like it was exactly what you think it's going to be and that is magnificent like it was like I said it was the last time I remember feeling true
0: joy this year so can't can't really get better than that I'm so glad you got to do that that's so good that's why I wanted to yeah. end on that because I knew that it was like such a good thing for you this year that you yeah. you needed. you've had a tough year but like that yeah. that was a good thing I'm glad that you did it and I'm glad that it it was so such like a good experience for you, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: It was it was really the it was the most positive
0: experience I've had in a very long time. That's ah, so good, so good. Um, that wraps it up for the year, which is strange to say. We're about to move on to our fourth year here. Um, Gosh, this is the last episode that of is... season three. It's strange but a good thing um, that we've been doing this consistently for so long. I'm very proud of us.
1: I am too. And we have never missed a week that one way or another, I want to shout out to, to us. I want to, you know, cheers to us that no matter what you have messaged me when something has come up and asked if I could cover it. And I've done the same for you and that we have never had to go on a hiatus. And that is hard to do and takes planning. So uh, let's, i'm gonna pat you on the back
0: so (laughs) thank you um no i'm i'm super glad that we have kept this streak going and at this point it's i'm afraid we're gonna drop it at some point we haven't yet (laughs) um but yeah every week even if it's like a half-baked quick production there's something in the feed and i'm i'm extremely proud of that so uh yeah that's probably enough navel gazing except to say like it was it was a good season we're going to do another one here shortly so we'll be back um from your perspective next week there will be no gap but for us it will have been about three weeks between recordings so we'll come back with our uh episode one of season four where we always kind of kick off the season with like a super geekery like what have we been up to how the holidays go all that kind of thing sometimes we have a couple topics that is just like we dove deep into something because we had the free time and other times it's like a scattershot like i did a million little (laughs) things let's just talk about it um yep so i have no idea what those episodes will be because those are so far in the future from when we're recording right now um yeah 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 that's about it and you know
1: the uh and you know we were saying you know enough navel gazing but i would like to say there's no way that we would have been able to make it into the fourth year here without you guys listening to this so for some reason you want to listen to us sit around and talk about stuff and i truly appreciate that and love you for it so thank you for letting us do this
0: yeah and if you want to just re-listen to the whole backlog now you've got like getting close to 200 hours of us to listen to which is yep there there are
1: now 150 episodes in the uh feed i know we were approaching it a while back i haven't looked specifically for when it is but i know this one is just past 150 i believe
0: yeah so I, i guess i should say somewhere in the like 150 hours still that's a lot of hours um as always, you can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek geekcast We also have longer discussion threads on the subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek And
1: we also have great discussions on our Slack and Discord servers. So go to discordgeek 2 or slackgeek 2 to uh, get an invite and hang out with us. And we said earlier that we're part of a podcast network. So head over to geek and click
0: on all of the links to all of our shows. <laughs> I blog at A and you can find me at grn mushroom. That's green mushroom without the e's on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beach. That's Beach with two e's. And I blog at geekfitness.net. We've been voiding Beach with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Happy New Year. And remember, this week, keep it geek.